I think with Derek, you know, it's a couple of things. One, you got to win. And, you know, when we talk about the great quarterbacks and, you know, we can go down the list, they all have one thing in common. They all win. And they're all uber competitive. They're demonstrative. They they demand excellence from the minute they walk in the building to, right through to Sunday. And, and they're the same way Monday through Friday and Saturday. And uh, I think when you have a head coach who's also larger than life, uh, as John Gruden is, I think, you know, the numbers are there for Derek Carr. They come from behind wins, you know, the yardage, the completion percentage, all that. Uh, the next step is winning. And I think, you know, when you win, I think people will come. You build it, they'll come. Things got testy. It's tough. You know, we're already missing some key guys. We already lost Marcus. And uh, you just, you know, you pray to the football gods upstairs that everything's going to be all right. It's about all you can do. Just crushed my dreams. Boom. Sadness. That's the one. Has Gus Bradley saved the Raiders' defense? I don't know if he saved it, but he's made it a heck of a lot better. Oh my God, they gave up 17 yeah. points in a game. It's incredible. No one's throwing near Casey Hayward. No one's oh. throwing near that guy. So here's your pro football focus rankings. We talked a lot about how the offensive line is a struggle. But pro football focus rankings right now. Casey Hayward is the number one cornerback in all of football. Max Crosby is the number one edge rusher in all of football. Yannick Ngakwe is eighth best as an edge rusher. Nate Hobbs is 12th best as a, as a cornerback. So they are getting some really high-end production from a handful of guys on this defense. Now, the linebackers still have not been good. Trayvon Merrick and Jonathan Abrams still have not been good. Trayvon Mullen's been his grades about average for cornerback so far. So they still have had some, some bad play from some of their defensive players, but for the first time in a long time, they've got multiple guys that you can point to and say they are playing extremely well at a really high level. And I think that's been the biggest difference that you've had a shutdown cornerback and you've had an edge rusher that is wreaking havoc on two teams to open the season. I think Crosby and Hayward can keep it up. I don't think they're going to be number one at the end of the year, no. but you have to hear down t- top 10. I think Max Crosby can finish the year PFF in the top 10. Um, the important thing you have down here, which I'm trying to go through the mind in my schedule and how many, I mean, obviously Mahomes. Uh, I'm trying to go through my mind in terms of the big time throwers and how they could get hurt. I don't know how many they faced Cleveland with Mayfield. Mahomes, obviously, Herbert. So, th- so there are going to be games that test them a lot more than these these first two, right? I mean, I think that's I think that's one of the big things so far is neither the Ravens nor the no. Steelers throw the ball down the field. So the weakness of the Raiders right now is Trayvon Merrig, Jonathan Abram, Trayvon yeah. Mullen, and the linebackers covering people. They, we haven't had to see a lot of that, especially those safeties with Merrig and. Uh, is Abram even a safety anymore? Who knows? Linebacker. But are the, those guys have not been tested. I Well, maybe Jacoby Brissett throws it down the field some. He's got a strong arm. The Colts used him exclusively yeah. as the sneak and Hail Mary guy, but it's Jacoby Brissett. You go to that uh, fourth game of the season against the Chargers. That'll be, the, I yeah, think, the first time him. we sure. really see does a team try to punish Merrick and Abram or whatever they have at the back end. But if you just go through the schedule... The Bears with Andy Dalton as the quarterback? Absolutely not. Maybe if they go to Justin Fields by then. Well, it just depends schematically. <laughs> it depends on what it depends on what the Bears are going to do schematically that week. 
You play the Broncos and Teddy Bridgewater. Eh. He doesn't throw the ball down the field. No. Maybe Jalen Hurts does, but Jalen Hurts can be a very boomer bust guy. If Sars big plays goes, Daniel Jones might take some shots down the field. Mahomes, obviously we will. That will happen. Fitzpatrick? Joe Burrow and the and the Bengals? Yeah. They could. Uh, Dak and the Cowboys certainly will. You get to Washington. Fitzpatrick, if he's there, will. Heineke will, honestly, too. Heineke right. throws it down the field. It's just they're not as good. You give a Holmes again. You go to Cleveland again in Mayfield. It's in December, so we might get some grapple again, and nobody's able to throw the ball down the field. Teddy Bridgewater again. Then you get the Colts and Carson Wentz, and then Justin Herbert. So there's really, you go through the schedule, there's five or six teams you look at and say, yeah, they'll they'll throw it deep on the Raiders, but they they might be able to survive without ever really defending deep down the field or ever having to defend deep down the field and get into the playoffs this year. That the defense might be competent enough everywhere else that, hey, Trayvon Merrick and Abram covering deep down the field does not matter. He wasn't good the first week. I thought Littleton was better this week, and it, so 81st out of 84 surprises me a little. Yeah. He wasn't good the first week at all. No. This week, at one point, he was leading him in tackles, uh, and then Perriman, uh, uh, when he actually Perriman got hurt, went out and came back in, and ended up leading him in tackles. So that surprised me a little. Um, you know, Abram, they're grading as a linebacker. I'm not, you know, look, Trayvon Moore is a rookie, so 66 out of 78 doesn't surprise me. I guess it surprises me 66 out of 78 for what you're saying is they haven't really seen any passers yet right. to throw down the field. It's like when you're 66 out of 78, that means to me you're you're playing the Justin Herberts and the Pat Mahomes and people like that, and you haven't played them yet. So that's a little worrisome. Right. Well, yeah, and there's, I mean, Trayvon Merrick as far as like his tackling grade and everything, I don't think he's been very good in that. His run defense grade is a 47.6, mm. which is worse than his coverage grade so far this season. So they haven't been uh, thrilled with him in the run game as well. But I think so the same conversation we had about the Raiders offense and why I think there's a chance, a a good chance that the offense regresses is because the offensive line is so bad because they can't run the ball and because they're probably going to start giving up sacks. Well, they've already given up five, but they'll probably start giving up even more sacks if the O-line doesn't get better. So far, the Raiders have not had to blitz and are one of the best they haven't blitzed at all they're, they're, I think they've like blitzed two blitzes. I think it's like 3% of their snaps yeah. this season. It's by far the lowest in the yeah. NFL and they're top three, I think right now in pressure rate in the NFL, their lines they, doing a heck of a they job are getting to the quarterbacks, Lamar Jackson and Ben Roethlisberger mm-hmm. again, is Max Crosby going to finish the year as the number one edge rusher? Probably not. No. Is he going to be top 15? I think there's yes. a good chance. He is. Is Yannick Ngakwe going to finish in the top 10? We'll see, but I think there is reason to believe the Raiders defensive line can get to the quarterback on a regular basis throughout the year. And if they can do that, you're going to force some more turnovers because that's the best way to force turnovers is to hit the quarterback and either make him make a bad throw or just knock the ball out of his hands. You're going to force some more turnovers and you're going to negate some of the issues on your defense. If Crosby can get to the quarterback in less than two and a half seconds, Merrick's not going to get tested deep because they can't throw it deep. So if they can keep it up and not even to the level that they have been, but just somewhat close, if Crosby's the 10th best edge rusher and Gakwe's the 15th best at the end of the year, the defense can stay maybe not as good as it has been, but can stay at a decent level for the rest of the season. Crosby and Ngakwe fall off. Then I think all of a sudden the defense is going to have a lot more issues, just like we saw the last two years. But as of right now, the pressure they're getting, if that can keep up, I think the defense is gonna be yeah. solid this the course of the season. They'll they'll get burnt by some teams, no doubt about it. But I think they're gonna be solid over the course of the season. I mean, do you think Gus Bradley saved them? 
So far, it looks like it. I mean, again, Jonathan Abrams still not necessarily good, and the linebackers still haven't been good, but you got Max Crosby all of a sudden as one of the best edge rushers in football through two weeks, and honestly, maybe the big one that we're giving Gus Bradley credit anywhere is Casey Hayward. Bringing him on. They're not who, even throwing to his side very much. Bringing him on yeah. and Casey Hayward being the guy that had played multiple years under Gus Bradley had, what was he injured last year or something? He didn't, he didn't have a great season last year, but if you go back his previous three years under Gus Bradley, he was a very good cornerback bringing him in and Hey, yeah, that guy's the starting cornerback. That's, that's one of the biggest additions of this team is they have, they through two weeks, they have a lockdown corner. Yes. That's not something, yes. uh, despite drafting a bunch of yep. cornerbacks, whether it's Gary and Conley or Damon Arnett or Trayvon Mullen, they have not had a lockdown corner, and now they do. They have a guy who teams are not throwing at, and even when they do, nothing good is happening. Did you find it odd? Trayvon Mullen left uh, along with Perryman. They both left almost at the same time for the locker room. Uh, and I will say this. I the, he might the, the receiver might have pushed off on Damon Arnett. I'm not so sure. He might have been able to call flag. It was it was touch and go. But I found it weird when Damon Arnett gives up the huge uh, huge pass, and I see Trayvon Mullen sprinting from the locker room <laughs> because I think he heard the huge roar in Heinz Field of the crowd, and I'm like, oh my gosh, goodness, who just sprinted out of the locker room? And it was Trayvon Mullen. <laughs> and, okay, the Damon Arnett one I think is is an even bigger reason why the Casey Hayward addition is massive. Sure. Because if they did not add Casey Hayward, if Casey Hayward had signed somewhere else, we're talking about Damon Arnett as a starter as a full-time player for the Raiders. Yeah. And Damon Arnett has been dreadful yes. so far this year. And he was dreadful last year. He got hurt a lot too. Like nothing good has happened with Damon Arnett time in Vegas. That's what we would be talking about. But because Casey Hayward is there, Arnett's played like 20 snaps or something like that on defense, whatever the number is. And you haven't, it hasn't crushed them yet. It hasn't hurt them yet because 20 snaps is kind of nothing over the course of two games. So that's another reason why the Casey Hayward addition, because we've the biggest issue with Gruden and Mayock is their draft picks have not, they've not worked out like Colton Miller. And I, I think at this point, you don't even really oh, say, Max Crosby. Yeah, well, yeah, but it's yeah. the early draft picks okay. have not worked yeah. out Colton Miller and Maybe Josh Jacobs, but even now, like he's hurt. He didn't have a great start to the season. He wasn't actually that good last year, but you're not, you're talking about a bunch of first round picks that haven't worked out. They finally covered one up because Casey Casey Hayward's been so good and throw Max Crosby in there. He's sort of covered up the Cleveland Furrow one too, is that, Hey, you know, the miss on Cleveland Furrow is not as bad. If the guy you took in the fourth round is one of the best in the league. So they finally got some guys to cover up those holes when they've missed in the draft. And if that continues, we're going to look back and say, Max Crosby, hell of a season. Casey Hayward, hell of a season. And those are the two reasons right now why the defense looks better. Your percentage that they make the playoffs right now. It's like 50-50 everywhere you look. So if you look at like uh, football outsiders or um, 24 or 538 or whatever, they're, they like all say between, 50/50. they're like between 48 and 52%, something like that. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. I mean, the, again, the biggest problem for the Raiders and you and when you look at playoff hopes is they almost have no path to winning the division. Even with the Chiefs losing to Baltimore, the Kansas City Chiefs are one of the best teams in football, mm-hmm. if not the best. Well, look what Baltimore had to do to win the game. Right. If not the you had to have a fumble at the end of the game. Yeah, Mahomes throw a pick right. there. Like that's what had to happen. So Kansas City's the best team. The path to winning the division is so difficult that you have to get a wild card. card. 
And like we saw last year, the AFC, the seventh wildcard team, won, what, 11 yeah. games last yeah. season? Yeah. Even though the Raiders are 2-0, even though they're off to a good start, are they getting to 11 wins? Like, it's still a big question mark if they can get to 11. Now, it might not take 11 this year. It might only take 10, maybe even nine this year. But that's sort of where it's 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 hard to say, yes, the Raiders are going to make the playoffs because the Chiefs. If they were in the NFC East, you'd say, yeah, they got a great shot. They got shot. a great shot. Great shot. To they could win the, the division. If they were in the AFC South with Indy and Tennessee right. or whatever, you'd say they got a great shot to I win this think division. they are winning the division. Right. So, <laughs> But the problem is, is the Chiefs exist. And to be honest, the Broncos and the Chargers. And the Chargers exist. exist. Through two weeks, Raiders have looked good, but I don't know that you're saying they're significantly better than the Broncos or the Chargers right now because, you know, those two teams are, those three teams are all sort of in the same tier of quality when it comes to the NFL. So I think it, the 2-0 and is obviously a great start, but you're looking at the playoffs and I think 50-50 is a, a fair bet right it's fair because, you know, they could have another late season collapse yeah. like they did last year. And all of a sudden it's, oh, wow, you were on pace to make it. And then everything fell apart. All right, coming up next, it's Bischoff's briefs. And we look at what teams are about to leave the Mountain West for the American Athletic Conference. Do you want to schedule a parent-teacher conference after hearing Grainy's grades? Call the Press Box voicemail and let us know. 702-720-4678 and let us know who deserves a higher grade. Bischoff's Briefs. When life gives you lemons, don't make lemonade. Make life take the lemons back. Bischoff's Briefs. Get mad! I don't want your damn lemons! What am I supposed to do with these? Bischoff's Briefs. Demand to see life's manager. Bischoff's Briefs. Do you know who I am? I'm the man who's gonna burn your house down with the lemons. College football realignment. It's exciting. So... San Diego Union Tribune, Mark Ziegler, had a story about the possibility of some Mountain West schools leaving for the AAC. Dennis Dodd wrote the story last week about the AAC looking at or being interested in Boise State, San Diego State, Colorado State, and Air Force. Uh, Mark Ziegler followed that up basically saying that Boise State and San Diego State don't have much interest in leaving the Mountain West for what remains of the AAC but that Colorado State and Air Force do have serious interest in leaving the Mountain West to join what remains of the AAC. So first off, let me ask you this. If you're Colorado State, what's the benefit to you to leaving the Mountain West right now for the American? I've got to be honest with you. I don't think there's any benefit of any of these teams leaving for the American. We talked about this last week. Um, they've lost their good teams, specifically in football. Uh, we laughed about it, but there is truth to this. Now it's different for San Diego State, who's um, completely in the West Coast. But everyone thinks football, football, football. I get that. Um, but you also have a lot of Olympic sports, and you would be sending them to very strange places geographically and spending a lot of money in doing that. And I don't agree with Craig Thompson on a lot of things, but I do agree with Craig Thompson on if they stay put, and this is until other Power 5 expansion happens, and all bets are off because everyone wants to go to the Power 5, they're the power six. Now, again, that whole power six thing I think is silly anyway. <laughs> but they're a, if they stay put, I truly believe they're a better uh, better conference than what the AAC is now that they lost those teams. Why do you want to go to the AAC? I don't get that. Yeah, I so I could 
understand if you are Air Force because Navy plays in the AAC and conceivably they could add Army as well, but you could have you could be in a conference with your other service academies. Right. I could understand that logic if you are Air Force. And I don't think Air Force is looking around ever thinking they're going to a power conference. No, no. I don't for Air Force totally different. I does it make sense? I don't know if it makes sense, but I don't think it's dumb if Air Force left. For Colorado State, I think it probably would hurt them a little bit, but I don't think it's a massive downgrade for Colorado State. But they're also not going to a power five. Right. So it's it's interesting because I because also on the other side, if you're the Mountain West, if they lost Colorado State and Air Force, do you think that actually hurts the conference? Not as much as the AAC losing the teams they did. Right. And so I, I think I don't think losing Air Force really hurts it at all. It's an atrocious basketball program. The football right. team wins some games, but it's there's zero fan base. There's yeah, not an Air no. Force fan base. You're not getting really anything. I don't know how much Colorado State Air hurts you. It's I think Colorado State has I mean, the potential to be a good athletic department. They're in they're close to a big market. They have a solid basketball program right now. They have had in the past good football a solid programs, football yeah. program. So the, I think Colorado State has some potential. Like we talk about UNLV all the time and potential. Right. Colorado State has some potential that they could be a really good mid-major athletic department, but it's not always all the way there. So I think losing them, to me, losing Colorado State doesn't hurt so much that you're losing Colorado State. It's that who would you replace them with? Because the Dennis Dodd, his report was that if the Mountain West loses teams, they were looking at Tulsa and North Texas. And I would much rather have Colorado State than Tulsa I or agree. North Texas. So I don't think losing Colorado State hurts so much. I think it hurts more when you replace them. If you're going after a North Texas or a Tulsa, that's it's not as good. Well, let me ask you this. Let's say both jump. Why do you replace anybody? So that's the question is, would you replace them would you for stay the at sake of replacing yeah. them? The one issue is in that case, you'd be a nine-team basketball conference. And that feels small. Now, you could Brandon, add a basketball team. You could. And this is this is where my thought process goes to. If you and even if you don't lose them, honestly, but if you lose Colorado State and Air Force, go get Gonzaga. Go get Gonzaga. Let them basically take Hawaii's spot as the basketball only member. Right? Hawaii only plays football. They don't play basketball in right. the Mountain West. Go get Gonzaga. Football drives all the revenue and all that, but if you had Gonzaga in this conference, I think you would be able to sell your TV rights for a little bit more money every year. Well, when the deals come up, granted, they just signed a new one, so it'll be a while, but you would be able to sell, hey, if you buy the rights to the Mountain West, you're going to get Gonzaga's 18 home games or whatever it ends up being at that case. You're going to get 18 Gonzaga home games, and WCC has some decent teams in St. Mary's and BYU but San Diego State is generally a top 25 team. Plus, we've seen in the last five years, Utah State's been in the top mm -hmm. 25. Nevada's been in the top 25. There's generally going to be another Mountain West team that is in the top 25. UNLV and New Mexico exist as schools that could potentially get there. Like, you could get some legitimately good conference matchups that Gonzaga has to play, and that should increase your revenue. So, if I listen, if I'm the Mountain West, I think you're perfectly fine if you stay at 10. There's no reason to go get a North Texas or a Tulsa. No. I don't think either one of those helps you. But I do think if you add Gonzaga, let them be the Hawaii of the basketball side of the conference, I think that's something that could actually help the conference. Let me ask you this then. Then is it just if you increase your money on the TV deals, 
what is the motivation for a team that's been the number one overall seed in the tournament to come to the Mountain West? Right. You've got to convince them. How do you convince them? It has to be money, right? Especially what else when the WCC them? basically does they give anything they want. everything Gonzaga everything. wants. So yeah. you absolutely – I don't know. I don't know if Gonzaga would leave. That is the, the other side of this is could you convince them to leave? And Because right now if you're Gonzaga – Granted, they haven't actually won the national title, they but got there. they've been pretty close yeah. and they've been one of the best teams in college basketball yeah. for the last decade. So it's a matter of, can you somehow convince them that they'd be better in the mountain West that playing a, that the conference schedule would be more difficult. And because of that, they'll be better prepared for the NCAA tournament or whatever the conversation is. And maybe it simply does come down to money and how much I more mean, can the mountain West can the mountain West offer significantly more than what the WCC is. And maybe Gonzaga says, yeah, we'll take that. I mean, football gets more on the money side in terms of the TV contracts, but if people don't have to realize, Gonzaga's treated better in the WCC for basketball than maybe Boise is for yeah. football in the Mountain oh. They are treated – Mark Few gets anything they want. Well, they do. They, they cut more con- – don't they only play 16 conference yeah, games because specifically he said it. so Gonzaga can yes. schedule more non-conference no, Yeah, exactly. Games. So he could play yeah. more twenty top 25 teams in non-conference. Yeah. He, he, he dictates that <laughs> league. So it's – for him – Again, if they were struggling to get good season in, say, tournament, and they kept being, kept being brought down because, you know, the weak teams in WC, it's one thing. He's been the number one overall right. seed in the tournament. So it doesn't – yeah, there's not as much the Mountain West can sell. But I, I do think there is a selling point there if you are the Mountain West. Would Gonzaga take it? I don't know. know. But that, to me, is what the Mountain West should do if they lost two teams. And honestly, if they don't lose them, I think you can still go get Gonzaga and say, let's put them in here. But that, to me, is the one move in the West that the Mountain West could make that would actually – be significant. Otherwise, Tulsa, North Texas. I don't, they, what do they add? That's just adding for the sake of adding. I would stay right. at 10. Right. It, it doesn't do a whole lot. It just makes you travel to Oklahoma right. every year. And Who really wants to do that? All right. Coming up next, Bill Lambeer joins the show. Our stats hogwash. Are you tired of hearing Tyler do math on the radio? Call the press box voicemail and let us know. 702-720-4678. Hamby now has it. Left elbow. Three dribbles to the corner to Plum. Why not? Why not? Well, I'll tell you why not. Shot fire. Kelsey Plum again for three. This one from 22 from the right corner. Plum with 28. It's a Kelsey Plum show. Everyone else just a spectator. Get your popcorn. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. Be part of the conversation on the Finley Kia text line at 69187. Finley Kia, come see a Kia on West Sahara. The Las Vegas Aces clinched the two seed in the WNBA playoffs, so they will start in the semifinals once the playoffs get started. And joining us now is the head coach, Bill Lambeer. Good morning, Bill. How are you Hello, today? Bill. Uh, good morning. A little tired, but other than that, making progress. Uh, so we hear the highlight there of Kelsey Plum. She had a career year, and I'm curious from your perspective, what was different this year for Kelsey? A uh, couplefold experience, more experience. Uh, understanding, you know, every year she's grown a uh, different part of her game. Uh, last year she had to sit out with an Achilles injury, so that was a throwaway. Uh, but more experience, and she's playing more minutes. Um, she's coming off the bench, which is plays to her skill level right now for our basketball team. She has the ball in her hands a lot more than she's ever had in the past, which which thrills her. That's who she is. Uh, but overall, I think it's experience and understanding uh, her role in, in this team and how to perform. 
Bill, when uh, your players went to the Olympics, whether it be five on five or Kelsey with the three on three um, and that team, what were your thoughts when they went, when they came back, how they were when they came back? I mean, there's always a little worry and trepidation, like how they come back, will they tired? Like, how did it work out? It worked out great. Um, you know, they're all young players. Uh, and so they, they had a situation where, you know, they had gone for a month, the whole league took a month off, but they got to still work out and still play basketball, which is more than half the league did. So I think it was a great experience for them. They all was all first timers. They all won gold medals. Uh, fatigue was a non-issue coming home. Uh, that was a, no big deal at all. But I think, you know, I told them all when they got back here, they could never take the gold medal away from you. You have one. And I think for most of them, it was a, a good career booster. It gave them confidence that they're now being recognized for their achievements in playing basketball. Uh, assuming you watched some of Kelsey and Jackie in three-on-three, what did you think of three-on-three basketball? Bizarre. Um, <laughs> it's it's it doesn't it's it's just chaos. <laughs> um, you you have to rush everything, so you can't really make really quality basketball plays. Um, the floor is so open. It's, I, I granted it's in a half court, but you know it's just it's just strange. <laughs> and you're moving screens all over the place, hacking. They let the hacks go all the time. Uh, um, it's just, it's just different. How that's going to survive in the long run, I have no clue. Could you, uh, given the players kind of coach themselves, ever sat back and been a coach in that situation? Oh boy, I don't know. That's just not really, you know, basketball <laughs> that I'm used to. It's just, it's one of those situations where three man for himself. And uh, yeah, no, that's not who I am. Bill, I almost, I almost think that might be more entertaining is watching you for a team you're supposed to be coaching play three-on-three three with no coaches. <laughs> I'm, I'm a never a one-on-one basketball player. I was, never, I was always five-on-five five and, you know, a great facilitator. What individual sports um, I'll play, but three-on-three three is an individual sport masquerading as a team sport, and then that's just not for me. So your team this year, you guys set a WNBA record with seven different players averaging double figures at the end of the year. Like when you sit back and look at that, what does that mean about your team to you? Sacrifice. Um, a, it's how we were structured. Uh, I made it very clear, especially when you bring players like Kelsey Plum and Dierka Hamby off the bench. Uh, it gives you great firepower off the bench. We know Ace is going to score her points. You know Liz is going to score her points. Uh, Jackie and uh, Raquina Williams, you know, they, they played Yeoman's job this year on how to get it done. Uh, so I, I think, you know, and Chelsea Gray is always, she's an Olympian, so she's going to get hers. Uh, just think if we had Angel McCutchery on our team this year, if she didn't get hurt. Um, <laughs> a, it would have been interesting maybe to have eight players, but B, it would have given me a lot more gray hairs because I had to manage the damn thing. <laughs> So you just mentioned how it came about, and you've always obviously uh, been uh, to the top in this league. What makes this team different from either the last one or the one before that that got so close? Like, why do you think this one's different? We have more depth, more quality depth. Um, you know, you can't you can't guard us in many ways. If we move the ball and we move ourselves and we have motion throughout our offense and pace to play. Um, it's very difficult to guard us because the floor gets opened up because everybody has to be hugging their men. You're not going to leave Asia Wilson. You're not going to leave Liz Cambage. And you're not going to leave Kelsey Plum or Raquana Williams because of their prolific three-ball ability. So it, it really opens the floor for everybody as long as we don't get stagnant and go pick and roll, pick and roll, pick and roll like 
you know, a lot of teams do in professional basketball these days. It just slows you down and, and, and quagmire. We're an open, open court, open floor team. And when we play like that, we're really good. When you look towards the playoffs, is that the number one thing you're trying to avoid or the number one thing you think could lead to you guys not winning at all? Is the offense getting stagnant? Yeah, I, I think our defense is pretty solid. You know, we're we're up there among we're number two in field goal percentage against. Uh, we're you know pretty decent rebounding team. Um, so I think offensive wise, you know, playoffs are all about how do you score. Uh, every team locks in, every team scouts, and every team designs defenses to take away things from each team. We'll be no exception to how we scout the other teams, but to try to plan an entire game plan around all the weapons that we have is going to be a little difficult for them. But if we play their game uh, and slow the ball down and just get in a half-court slugfest, uh, that's when we'll be at risk. Is it easy to say Connecticut, or are there other teams in that draw where you're like, that could be a matchup problem? Uh, well, we're 0-3 with Connecticut. We played their game all three times, exactly what I was just talking about. We played a half-court slugfest. Uh, part of it is we didn't have Kelsey Plum for two of those contests. Uh, but, however, you know, they imposed their will on us in the course of the game. We didn't do our, our, our bit. If we play our game, I don't have any worries about anybody we play with. Connecticut's a very powerful foe. They are long, uh, and they're tall, and they're, and they're strong. So it gives us a little bit of headaches. But overall, it's about style of play. They play good defense. They play their system. They play, you know, 65-60. Uh, we want to play first one to 90 wins. So it'll be a test of two styles. If we meet, we'll meet in the finals, but we have to get there first. All right. We need to get your side of this story. We had Chelsea Gray on earlier in the year, and she told us that during a timeout once this season, you were trying to call a play and like you couldn't exactly verbalize or whatever. So Chelsea Gray took the clipboard from you and drew it up herself. Yeah, she, she's a very smart basketball player. She watches a lot of film. Uh, she, she understands the game of basketball. She wants to, you know, communicate to the other players, the game of basketball plums the same way. Uh, you know, she'll do the same thing. She'll grab the clipboard when one of the players is not understanding, get right in her face and make sure she understands. Uh, it's easier for a player to do that than it is for a coach. <laughs> coach you know, be, well, I could, the player will think, stop browbeating me or, you know, stop, stop getting on my case. Um, and then they'll tune the coach out. Where a player to player is a great thing to have when you have a peer to tell you, hey, look, dummy, pay attention to this one. This is how it's done. Uh, how has Mark Davis been as an owner? Yeah, uh, outstanding, and, and I don't know. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, it's too early in the whole process. I, I think his commitment to this franchise is second to none. Uh, he's going to put his money where his mouth is and is already. Uh, you know, there's a long way to go from – there's, the basketball was one side and the business is another. There's a long way to go on the business side. He's going to have to rebuild because of COVID. You know, MGM 2020, that we, we took that hit uh, as far as personnel leaving. And then COVID hit, and we didn't have a, didn't have a season in our town. So we lost a lot of employees uh, in the infrastructure of the, of the front office and the business side. So that's going to be rebuilt, uh, and that's going to be starting here very quickly. So that's a big pivot. On the basketball side, he's given us every tool. And like I said, don't know. He stayed completely out of it, uh, which is great. Doesn't poke his nose in the basketball <laughs> side right now. Uh, it's going well. He trusts us how we're doing it, and that's great for an owner. Because uh, you know, some owners like a Jerry Jones said, "They're gonna go down there. I want to design the draft pick, so I want to tell you what play to run." <laughs> um, no, he's he's pretty much left <laughs> us on our own. Well, he is Bill Lambeer, head coach of the Las Vegas Aces. They got the two seats, so they are straight to the semifinals in the WNBA playoffs. 
Bill, thank you so much for joining us. Thank this you, morning. Bill. Okay, thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate it. Go. Take care. Bill's great. Yeah. He's so great. How's Mark Davis? I don't know. <laughs> which is good. Yes, which is good. It's good. <laughs> he leaves me alone. Oh, he's, coaches love owners that don't want to make draft picks. But okay, here's the thing. <laughs> he's so great because you ask him, how's Mark Davis? And he doesn't just give you, oh, he's been phenomenal. Love right. the guy. Like he gives you a legitimate answer. Right. We'll see. Yeah. There's a lot of work to <laughs> we'll be see. done. We'll see. He's like, yeah, I don't know yet. He's like, we got to rebuild this whole thing. Like, we'll see how Mark Davis does. I, it's, that's a great. How yeah. Many, like, how many coaches are oh, saying that not about many. their owner? Not many. They're saying, hey, how's he been? Oh, we'll see. Mike McCarthy, we'll how's Jerry? He's the best. <laughs> He's the best. Yeah. So it, yeah. he gives the best massages. Yes. <laughs> great answer. Do you know he sits, eats a Whataburger an hour after he makes it sit down? <laughs> All right, here we go. We've got a pair of tickets. To go see the Golden Knights and the Avalanche preseason hockey on Tuesday, September 28th at T-Mobile Arena. A pair of tickets to go see Golden Knights and the Avalanche in the preseason. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. We will take caller number 9 at 702-364-1100 if you want a pair of tickets to go see the Golden Knights and the Avalanche. Is Tyler a know-it-all? Can you prove him wrong? Call the Press Box voicemail and let us know. 702-720-4678. Nights. My teammate Cam uh, Bray uh, just asked me the other day. He goes, Rob, I have a serious question. He goes, do you ever watch film? And I said, no, I don't. It's, I just run by guys. If I'm feeling good, I'm feeling good. You're locked in the Press Box. That was Rob Gronkowski, a part of the Manning cast last night during Monday Night Football. Is, is that the, like is that surprising or is that the least surprising thing in the world? I think least surprising thing in the world. It's like the there was a story a couple years ago about the Golden Knights where Ryan Reeves and Will Carrier did not watch film, but Pierre Edouard Belmar did, and he would just tell them what to do. Yes. <laughs> And that is that is now Rob Gronkowski like, as well. well. Tom watches it. Yeah, because he also <laughs> he also said that he just, he'll just ask Tom Brady who's going to be covering him. So, what does he do when everyone goes to meetings? I don't know. He just... probably plays on his phone. Yeah. Because in in the Raiders they'll have like people come in for interviews like oh, got to make a quick guy. Hunter's got meetings. And then, like, two questions in. Thanks. Yeah. Let's go, Hunter. I mean, he's got to get to a meeting to, I assume, watch film. I assume that's what they do. I assume part of getting him out of retirement, part of his contract says, I, I don't do have, to, have watch to watch film. film. I just did. This is the same guy. This is the same guy that was like, yeah, they, they made me uh, email videos of me doing wind sprints. So I just, the first day, brought a bunch of shirts. <laughs> And the team it makes was, it, it's absolutely a great story that he just doesn't watch it. But the team found out about that and we're just like, yeah, that's fine. It's grunk. No big deal. Grunk. Have you seen any of the Manning cast on no. Monday Night Football? Well, last night I wasn't didn't have to, but I've heard people like it a lot. So here's here's what happens during it. I think about seventy five percent of it is bad TV. Like seventy five percent of it is just they're just sort of rambling over about a football game. But you get lines like that. Pat McAfee was on last night. You'll get shots that Brady or or that uh, Peyton or Eli will take at somebody during it or whatever. Right. Like they're like the one liners on that show are phenomenal and honestly make it worth watching. Are you watching a split screen on the game? 
So it'll be the game takes up about ninety percent of your TV, and oh. then there's just two little boxes. Okay, on the so side. mostly it's the game. Yeah, that yeah. You're seeing. You, okay, you see right. the game. They just, you know, it's not the traditional like Peyton is here. not like calling any part of the game. They're right. not like, oh, that's DeAndre Swift going for right. twelve yards or whatever. They're just sort of giving their thoughts on. You know, oh, on that play, the safety came up early, so I'd expect the Packers to run play action here because the safety's about to bite on or whatever. Like they'll give right. you good insight and stuff, but a lot of it is just them sort of messing around through some stuff too. So like, I don't, I don't think the majority of it is good, but the twenty five percent of it is excellent. They have uh, okay uh, virtual guests then who just kind of pop on. Yeah, like they'll yeah, like Gronk came on, Pat McAfee, uh, Brett Favre was on. Um, yeah, Patrick well, Willis cool. was on for like two seconds. But yeah. actually, the general consensus from well, I say general consensus, but people on Twitter is they hate the guest. They they want it to just be Peyton and Eli the whole time because they bring oh. a guest on and it's like like Pat McAfee was was pretty good. Gronk was solid, but they kept Gronk on for like. 15, 20, they, cut, they kept him through a commercial break, and it, it ran out of steam. Ran out of steam quick. Gronk's hard to say no to, though. Right. In but, terms of having him on something like that. But, yeah, but most people, at least that are tweeting about it, just want Peyton and Eli just, to talk. Yeah, just sort of talking through whatever crap they want to talk through. They've signed the down for the whole season? Uh, no, they do 10 games, I think. Okay. Yeah. I think it's a 10-game contract. for, And it's like 10 games for this year, next year, and the following okay. year. So. I'm sure if they want to, they can say, yeah, we'll do it. We'll do it, the rest of the season, too. It You're, genuinely is the closest thing to one of my favorite, like, I loved Dennis Miller. Like, I love the idea because I don't need someone to be like, did you see that play? Yeah, I'm watching it. Right. Like, I don't right. need, here's the snap. Right. It's kind of pointless. Yeah, just give me two goofballs. Yeah. This is perfect. Two nut jobs. Is your, I'm watching the game anyway. Is your college going to get Arch Manning? Arch Manning, they he better. Was, he was on the sidelines. They, my gosh, I got to give like SEC programs. There, those kids are in tune, or maybe someone tells them. But man, they know when like a high recruits on those sidelines. They're going crazy for the kid. They better get Arch Manning. They're, listen, Suppose he's amazing. I've seen like two clips of the kid. I'm like, that kid's a sophomore in high school. Listen, Ole Miss already got screwed <laughs> by Peyton going to Tennessee. You had to get the other one. They already got screwed by that. All right. And like, yeah, Eli Manning, I think they won like nine. They might have won a cotton bowl or something. But they already got screwed by losing out on Peyton. If they don't get Arch Manning, <laughs> what what the hell is the point of having Archie Manning like fifty years ago in the first place? It's ridiculous. The whole family's gotta go there. Stupid. They better get him. Be ridiculous. Get your per- shot if you be, if you get him. Suppose he's incredible. Yeah, I mean, now listen. this is Cooper's son, which is ironic. So the one guy who really couldn't play has this kid right. who is completely unbelievable. They say that's right, and he better be good. Well, Cooper Manning was probably going to be really good too, but he had a, like a right. neck injury or something. Yeah. Either his last year of high school or was right Cooper? To college. This is maybe a dumb question. Was Cooper a quarterback? He was a wide receiver. Wide receiver. Oh, okay, yeah. wide receiver. He was, okay. Yeah, he, he was really, really good. He would have okay. played. He would have been there around the same time as Eli. At he could have made the league. I don't know. He would. He would have been like. He would have been He'd an Ole Miss good. starting wide receiver, good enough to go to the NFL. I don't know, but like it would have been Eli and. Uh, Cooper for okay. at least a couple of years at Ole Miss. Uh, I've seen this young kid on the on YouTube a couple of times. Like, yeah. man, that kid, he makes throws. You're like, whoa. I think the key is going to be, does Lane Kiffin stick around yeah. at Ole Miss? Well, 
If he does, he should go there because the kid's going to throw like 70 right. times hold a game. On, hold on, right. wait. Uh, there is the USC job is open. <laughs> <laughs> Eric being me, he fired me. You know? I'm not taking that job. Do you know how funny it would be if USC hired Lane Kiffin again? It, it, oh, it's, the, it's, great. it's the girl and guy in high school who keep breaking up every two weeks and then are back together. Yeah. Like You're just like, all right, I guess you guys are going to get married. How many did you end up scoring? Didn't, you have, didn't your team have like almost 70 points in the third quarter? Yeah, they crushed Tulane. Couldn't be stopped. It's Tulane, but Tulane good game to have Arch Manning there. They must have thrown like a hundred times. Tulane gave Oklahoma a good run. Just go. Doesn't look like they need me. Oh no, no, we could have we could have gone triple digits. Colorado State uh, beat Toledo, who gave uh, Notre Dame a run. Is that what we're doing? Yeah. We're doing that. That pro- not even wins. We're just doing. We're just doing. They gave of, a good it was run. A close it was a game, close and loss. that means they're good. Close loss. You're looking at me. I don't know what that means. Congratulations Jared. to Terrence. Terrence. Yeah, Terrence won a couple of tickets to go see the Golden Knights take on the Avalanche. We will have more tickets to give away throughout the week. So make sure you stay tuned for some preseason Golden Knights tickets. So how do you get that in? Open camp on Thursday. Oh God, that's here right. we go. The open camp Thursday. Why does it seem like that the they just had their last? Yeah. They just played Montreal. They three just days got ago. eliminated by Montreal. Yeah. Like that just happened. It feels like I don't know. It's bizarre, but hey. I was excited about the rookie here. tournament. I told you that. I knew one name. <laughs> Jack Dugan. Yes.